Hello, everyone. This is Bola from CleverGirlFinance.com and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. So today's topic is a very, very important one. We're going to be talking about estate planning and how to protect your assets and make sure that they are designated the right way when you are no longer here. This is a topic that everyone should be aware of and basically have a under have an understanding of in terms of what happens to everything you've worked so hard for. And so my guest today to have this conversation with me is Art Steele. And Art is an estate planning and intellectual property attorney who has been practicing law for nearly 10 years. She left corporate America to launch her own law firm in 2014 and recently founded artsteel.co, which is an online resource that provides creatives with simple legal solutions. She is dedicated to helping creatives legalize their business through information that she provides on her blog. And she's also the host of a really awesome podcast that I was also a guest on, and it's called the Legal Ease for Entrepreneurs podcast. And it's the only podcast dedicated to educating and empowering minority entrepreneurs to tackle the legal aspects of their business. And as you'll hear in this episode, Art is super, super passionate about helping minorities build wealth through estate planning. And so on this episode, Art discusses why estate planning matters and why it's not just for celebrities and millionaires. She talks about the first things you need to do, including the documents you need to have to ensure that you have a plan in place for your loved ones to be able to access your finances and assets in the event of an emergency. She discusses what happens to your money when you're no longer here if you don't have an estate plan and how to put an estate plan in place amongst many other things. But before we dive into the conversation with Art, if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, please, please, pretty please subscribe. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and you can also subscribe and listen to episodes on the Clever Girl Finance YouTube channel. And if you love what you're listening to, tell your friends about the podcast. The more people that listen, the merrier. And be, be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a review of this podcast so that other people can find it. Leaving a review helps this podcast get promoted in the iTunes ranks and by doing that other people get to find this podcast as well. And finally, if it's been a while, stop by clevergirlfinance.com. There is always new content, new articles to help you as you work on improving your finances. So let's talk to Art. Oh, by the way, on this episode, I had plugged in my mic, but for the first five minutes of my conversation with Art, I actually was not talking into the mic. And so I sound distant at the beginning of this conversation. You can still hear me but I just sound a little far away so I apologize in advance for that. Hey Art. Hey Bola thank you for having me. Welcome to the podcast I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah me too. So we're going to be getting into the also exciting topic of estate planning. (laughs) Yes. Don't be afraid listeners it's going to be great. No, you know, I will say in my defense, in my defense, I teach wills, trusts, and estates at um, American University, Washington College of Law in D.C., and my students say that I am pretty good at um, making it sound really fun. That's why I have so. you, in particular, talking about Yeah, I'll this do my best. <laughs> so no pressure. <laughs> yeah. Before we dive in, I'd love for you to introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and what you do. So I'm Art Steele, and I am an IP tax and business attorney. I also do estate planning, and I help creatives and small businesses protect their IP 
protect their creative work. And I also help families create and build their legacies. And by IP, you mean intellectual property? Intellectual property. Yeah. Which we could get into later. And and I also work with people who own intellectual property with their estate planning as well, because that's something that a lot of entrepreneur, entrepreneurs don't really think about um, what happens to their IP when they're gone. Um, so that's another avenue that a lot of people are like, oh, I never thought about that. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll, we're going to have a great conversation. So I'd love for you to tell. Well, I want you to break it down a little bit because some people may not be familiar with estate planning. So mm-hmm. I would like for you to first tell us what estate planning is and mm-hmm. why it matters, why it's not just for celebrities, millionaires and billionaires. Right. So estate planning is the disposition of your property when you die. I mean, in disposition means who gets it. Mm-hmm. OK. And if you create an estate plan, you as the person, the individual, you get to decide what happens to it. If you don't create one, the state in which you live, their laws will decide who gets it because they can't just have someone die and then nothing happens to their property. So generally, the state will try to figure out who you will want to have it. And that's what they've based their laws off of. So this works if the only way this works is if you're single and you have nobody in the world because then it goes to the state <laughs> and that is the not a lot that's all of your hard yeah. work and everything that's a negative yeah and you act and you know you don't even have to be like single and not have anyone in the world if it's not clear what your relationship is to other people they may not inherit it and then there's also the expense that you would have to go through or your family would have to go through. There is the procedure, the court process, which is called probate, that they would have to go through. They would have no choice if you didn't create an estate plan. So an estate plan is not just for rich people or people who have children. I actually tell people that it's even more important for single people because while it's great for you to plan for your children, which we'll talk about later, but in all honesty, if you're if you're married, so like I said, single people, but if you're married and you have a spouse and you have a child, if you die, that spouse is going to take care of that child. Most states will give the money, whatever life insurance policy, if you haven't named your spouse, right? They'll just give it to the spouse and the spouse will take care of the children. But if you're a single person, In order for anyone to get access to anything you have, they have to go to court. They have to file a petition. Mm -hmm. They have to go through this whole process. So estate planning is just saying what happens to your property when you die. That's the simple way to say it. I know it sounds really complex when we think about wills, trust, and estate planning. It's just what's going to happen to the stuff around me when I die? And it doesn't mean that you're dying now, you know, God forbid. Well, the joke that I always tell my client after they sign their wills is I'm like, now that you've done this, you're not going to die. You're going to live for another like 60 or 70 years. So that's the benefit of getting a will. Because it's usually when you don't have one that when it's really tragic and you have young children or you have you come from a blended family. So you have a child from a previous relationship or you um, 
aren't with your your child's parent anymore, but you're with someone else who doesn't have children. So it's it's either when you are, you know, in a second or third marriage or if you're coming from a blended family, it's really important because there are a lot of emotions. And the one thing I tell people, man, like don't put any like don't hold anybody to any agreement, any verbal agreement they made when you were alive. You have to put it down on paper because people change when you die. And people are also so emotional, not just from the grief, because that's 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 one thing. People are grieving. So it's like if your family is grieving, do you really want them to try to figure out how they're going to get the money to pay your rent or they're going to have to be out of your apartment in X days because nobody in your family can afford to pay the rent or your mortgage? Right. But people are so attached to you as a person that they don't agree on what should happen to your property. And so they start fighting over it. Little things like I've seen families fight over like somebody's diploma from high school. No joke, because it's like it has, you know, because you're you're you are with your family and you've shared these memories with them mm-hmm. and they're attached to these different things that you thought. I mean, I don't even know where my high school diploma is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds funny, but, you know, when you are in the like when you're in the depths of a situation, some things that you look back and laugh at are not really funny in the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it tear. I mean, I I've just seen families get torn apart um, over. I don't want to say a little amount of money, but five thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars. I've seen families just want to kill each other over it. I think money drives a lot of emotional decisions and when you add the fact that you lose a loved one or you pass away then you know a lot of things can happen so I, I like how you talk about being very specific about having it down in writing and it doesn't just apply to your estate plan or your will it applies to business contracts and you know because a lot of times when money comes comes into play mm-hmm. right you and your friend have this handshake agreement and then you know the business is now worth a million dollars and it's like no well it was my idea so I deserve 90% it becomes this whole battle so it's important to have everything documented so that's um really important so yeah just like you elaborated so it's not just about being a celebrity or being a millionaire and having tons of money it's about just whatever you've worked so hard for your 401k your retirement savings the house that you have paid off you know in your old or age, are paying for the last like yeah. Three years, even exactly <laughs> I mean, everything that you've worked. Yeah, so you've hard worked for, so hard for. Yeah, you want to make sure that it gets split up or given away the way you want it to be done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the first step. Like the first step is giving it away the way you want it, mm-hmm. and then the next step in estate planning is maximizing how you give it away and maximizing the amount of money that your family or whoever you want to give it to receives it. And so the next step would be trying to figure out a way to have your house paid for so that it can still retain the value. So for example, if you bought, let's say a $500,000 house and you're paying for that house, then you want to take out a life insurance policy, whether that's term or whole. I'm not a life insurance 
salesperson, I always get the two confused, meaning like the benefits. I know what they mean. But you want to get at least a life insurance policy that's the amount of your house so that whoever inherits the house doesn't have an issue with coming up with the mortgage, Mm -hmm. right? So that's one thing that people do. They'll like leave a house to someone, but then maybe that person is not in a position to pay for that house. So you want to make sure that when you create your entire estate plan, that it create that you look to all of those things and who you're giving it to. The other thing is um, minor children cannot inherit property from a legal standpoint. So they can't take legal title. Um, that means they can't control it. Um, but they have the equitable title, which means it's for their benefit. Mm -hmm. So if you leave anything to your children and single people do this all the time. And when I say single, I mean, you're not currently married. (laughs) I don't mean you were never married at one point or you, um, or you like don't have kids. I mean, someone who has a child and is not currently married. So they will leave there. They will put their child's name on their life insurance policy. The problem with that is the life insurance policy is not going to pay your $500,000 life insurance policy to your child. They're going to hold on to that money until they get an order from the court saying this person is in charge of your minor's money. In order for you to get a, a court order, you have to file a petition. In order to file a petition, you have to hire a lawyer. In order for you to even the court to grant that petition, they're going to require that you get what's called a bond because they want to make sure that you insure yourself in case you mismanage that money. You're going to have to go to a bond company in order for you to get the bond. They have their own requirements. Sometimes they require for you to be a U.S. citizen. Sometimes they require a credit um, report or have for you to have good credit. Sometimes they have restrictions on who can get it. Like if you have a criminal record, sometimes you have to they will force you to hire a lawyer in order for you to even get this bond. Mm -hmm. So. No money is coming from that life insurance policy until all these things are put into place. I've also seen where people can't even get the life insurance policy and it just stays with the life insurance company until the child turns 18 and then they get it. If they remember that it exists. Oh, though, yeah. Well, if the child knows <laughs> that it exists, right. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's they generally will know. But the problem is you have an 18 year old child or that I has all say this money that has. 200, 300, $500,000. Yeah. And what's happened to your house in the meantime? Who's paying the mortgage on it? You know, so what happens a lot of times is they're basically forced to sell the house because no one in the family can afford it. You know, it, it's just, it's really, and, and, it, and there's a simple solution. The simple solution would be to put the house in a trust, put the life insurance policy in the trust. So you put both of them in the, in the hands of a trustee And so that trustee immediately gets your life insurance policy upon your death and they use that life insurance policy to pay the house and the child can, the child could stay in the house or you could Mm -hmm. rent the house out, you know? So it's, um, there's a lot that goes into it once you start getting into it, but it's not just for rich people. As you can see, this has, how many people, you know, tons of people own a house or a home and have kids. So, and I'm really glad that you brought up the point about, you know, 
just thinking a bit more deeper about that life insurance policy, because a lot of people assume that, well, I have this life insurance policy, something happens to me, my kid is is covered. Um, it's not that your kid is not covered, but based on what you explained, it's not that simple. So it's, they, they may not have access to exactly. it. Exactly. And you want to make sure they have access to it in the time of need. They can stay in the house. They can, you know, not have to wait how many years, you know, and so. And that's, then when they do get it, they're not going to blow it all. Exactly. In a year. There is a way that it's, it's divvied out to them over a set amount of time that you have designated mm-hmm. through your trustee. So I have a couple questions around that. Um, first of all, mm-hmm. a lot of people listening might be wondering, well, who is, who, who could be a trustee? Like, what is this mm-hmm. trustee? Can you explain that? Yes. So let me just explain like how a will and a trust would work together. Yes. So the will is a testamentary document. And by testamentary, that's that's the one you hear the, your last will and testament. It's the document that that you produce to the court. That's the document that the court accepts. Once that document is submitted to the court, it becomes a public record. So anything you give away in it, anything you say in it is public record for anyone to see. And there are a lot of issues that go along with that. But what what you want to use the trust for, the trust is basically like a contract between you, the person who creates the trust, and the trustee. And you're telling them what to do with your property when you die. And the trust is a private document. So your will will generally list who you are, where you live. And the reason you have to list where you live is because that's the state's law that's going to, um, um, what's the word, that is going to dictate how your um, estate will be divided. Mm-hmm. And then you say like your kids, who you are, there's all these, this, there's all this boilerplate language in your will. But then the last thing you do in your will is that you give all of your property in your will. You'll say, I give all of my property real and personal to the trustee of the Art Steel Trust. And you have now passed all of your property to your trustee. But that is the only thing that anybody is going to see because the will is going to be public. Now you go to the trust document. That's where you would name the trustee. Mm-hmm. The trustee is the person who is going to carry out your disposition, meaning how you want to divide your property. That trustee could be a relative. It could be a friend. So it could be a person or it could be a company. It could be an organization. So, for example, you could list your sister, your mom, your dad, mm-hmm. your a relative, a friend as a trustee or you could hire a company like um, Fidelity or Prudential. They have trust management, trust managers, and a trust manage management department. Now, if you want to have a company like that um, be the trustee of your trust, you would have to send your trust to them ahead of time for them to approve it, because they have their own standards, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to make sure that they would be able to carry out the duties. And so then um, they would be the ones who would do that. So the trustee could be anyone. And you can list in your trust, like you can say, I want to have co-trustees, meaning you want to have more than one. Or you can say, I don't want there to ever be more than four trustees. Um, I don't want anybody over the age of 70 to be a trustee. I don't want anyone who lives in X country or someone who doesn't live in the same state as my child to be a trustee. There, You, could, you can put all kinds of restrictions or, or conditions on who can be a trustee. Okay, that's good information. So basically, it can be anyone, but then you can you can restrict, you know, who the I guess the requirements of who that person can be or any changes exactly. that happen to it. Okay. Yeah. Now, 
The only time you have a where you have a requirement for a trustee is if you do like a special marital trust, which I won't go into too much detail about. But there's only one trust where it's required that you have at least one U.S. citizen um, be a trustee. And that's if you're leaving um, if you are leaving a certain amount of money to your spouse Mm -hmm. and your spouse is not a U.S. citizen, then you leave it to your spouse in a trust so it can be tax free. But the trustee, at least one trustee of that trust has to be a U.S. citizen. Other than that, it can be anyone. Okay. So now I want to find out from you, what are the, I know you kind of alluded to some of it a little bit, but let's say someone is trying to figure out this, you know, creating this estate plan. Mm -hmm. When it comes to documentation, what are the specific types of documentation or document names that they would need to have in place to be able to have, to make sure that this plan is, you know, this estate plan is in place and their loved ones can access their finances and assets, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So the, okay, the documents, you need to have a will. Well, okay. Everybody may not need a will. It just depends. And that's why I encourage people to go and speak with an estate planning attorney, because depending on your state laws, you can give away all of your property and not even have a will. Now, there are plenty of reasons why you should, and I recommend it. But if there's someone who's out there who's just like, oh, I'm just adverse to a will, just still talk to an estate planning attorney because there's some things you can do. And I just can't go into all of them. Mm-hmm. But if you are going to get a will, which I recommend for anyone who has children, because you need to name your guardian of your children in your will and you need to name the guardian of your children's property. They can be the same people or they could be um, different people. But that's why you would want to have a will. The reason for single people to get a will, even if they can pass all of their property outside of probate, meaning if you have all your money in retirement accounts, if you have a life insurance policy, if you have a bank account, you could just put benefits beneficiaries on those things and you wouldn't even need a will. But that's not necessarily good for tax planning and for generational wealth. So that's why you don't want to leave an outright gift. Mm -hmm. But as far as the will itself, the will, um, depending on the state, would be what you would need to have. And then that would be enough. That would be enough. You could just simply give away your property in your will, you could say, I give all of my property to my friend, John, and that, that would be perfectly fine. Again, that's not great tax planning, but whatever. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but you could do that. So the will is enough. You don't always have to have a trust trust planning. I see it for more of like, if you have young children, Mm -hmm. if you want to create generational wealth. So instead of giving that $500,000 to your son, you just have him live off the trust for his whole life. And then when he dies, then his children and blah, blah, blah. Um, like so you would have a family and the way they have their. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, you don't have to be a royal to do that. Like, that's the thing that people don't understand. Yeah. You don't have to be a royal like 500,000. That's the thing that people like. Here's the thing. If I make $50,000 a year for 10 years and I accumulate $500,000, it does not have the same effect as getting 500000 all, all at on once. one day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you as a financial advisor, you know that. It's almost that, like a lottery. Like you get all this money, you're like, oh, my God. And the, and the <laughs> impact, right, and the impact that money will have. 
is and the way it's going to grow, it's so much quicker, right, than yeah. getting $50,000 over 10 years. So $500,000 is a lot of money for somebody to get all at one time. Yeah. So you you can put that in an account and have, you know, generations live off of it. But anyway, back to your question. So you would have your will and then you would have a trust. And then there's some documents that you have to have depending on the kind of trust that you have that I don't think would be helpful for me to go into really. But um, as far as your question about financial assets. So I don't list in the will for my clients their financial assets because it's going to be a public document, right? But what I do have my clients do is I have them fill out a very thorough questionnaire where they list all of their bank accounts and they give me at least the name of the bank, um, who the owners on the bank account is, and then like the last four of their bank account. So that if the worst does happen and somebody finds that will, and says, oh, it looks like your office prepared a will for my, you know, whoever. How do I find all their stuff? I have a list, at least some form of list of what their assets are. Now, what do you do when you, after you've drafted a will? I don't keep the will for my clients because I don't want to be responsible for it. They keep the original copy, the one that has their actual signature on it. Mm -hmm. I tell my clients to tell somebody in their family where their will is. I also tell them whoever they choose to be the executor. The executor is the person who is going to carry out the will, who's going to produce the will to the court and say, um, here is so-and-so's will. They're going to be generally the one that the court is going to appoint to be your personal representative and you deal with the court. Now, the executor is different from the trustee. The executor is the person listed in the will. The trustee is the person listed in the trust. You can have the same person be the executor and trustee. You could have different people be the executor and trustee. Um, so I always say, tell the executor that you've named them as an executor if you if you name someone as a guardian of your children, tell that person that you've named them as the guardian of your children. Tell people where your will is. Like it shouldn't be a secret. Some states will allow you to file your will with the court and they will keep it on record. And then once you die, they already have it. Um, and even if you file your will with the court, you can always just go and take it back. It's not like if you file it, they're like, sorry, you can't change your will ever again. Um, but so that's another way to, to keep it. I tell my clients, don't put your will in a safety deposit box unless no one there's someone else. Yeah. yeah, unless there's someone else on the safety deposit box with you um, who hopefully, well, probably not a spouse because you could be traveling together and die together. So um, I just tell them don't put it in a safety deposit box. That's actually not a good place to put it. Just put it somewhere in your house and tell somebody where it is. And... Quick question, because I know somebody listening is thinking this. What, outside of a signature, right, on a will, what what is required to make this now a legal document? Because I can write oh. something and sign it. Oh, so in order for your will to be legal, um, you have to, in order for your will to be legal, you have to have at least two witnesses. The witness has to witness you signing your will. So it can't be that you signed your will and then your your brother and sister got home and you were like, oh, I signed my will. Can you sign here? 
Now, if nobody sees that, (laughs) then obviously nobody's going to contest it. But um, in order for it to really for, for it to technically be a valid will, you have to have at least two witnesses and those witnesses have to witness you sign your will. Now, Vermont, I think, is the only state that requires three witnesses. So you would have to have three people witness your witness you signing. Now, what used to happen back in the day is you would do all that and then they would still call the witnesses in to court to testify. Did you did you sign? It was kind of dumb. Right. So what people started doing is they started including what's including what's called a self-proving affidavit. So you sign your will. The witnesses see you sign your will. They sign to say, yes, I saw them. I saw this person sign their will. But that is it. The will doesn't need to be notarized. Then what you do is you have the witnesses sign a sworn statement that is notarized that says, yes, I just signed this document and I saw this person sign their will. I'm now signing this document again. So that's generally what will make your will valid from like a technical formality standpoint. Now, other things that from a substantive standpoint, you have to be, I think in most states, at least 18 years old um, to write a will. You have to have what's called mental, you have to have uh, mental capacity. You have to have testamentary capacity, meaning you have to have the capacity to write your last will and testament. That means you have to be 18. That means you have to understand what you're doing. Like somebody can't just be like, oh, Bola, um, sign this document. And it turns out it's your will. (laughs) And somebody, you know what I mean? Like, I know that seems weird, but that's what they mean. Like, you have to know that that doc, you, it can't be like, oh, Bola lists all your assets or Bola, who would you like to have your stuff when you die? But you're just kind of thinking through it. It has to be that it is your intention that the court use this document to dispose of your property. Mm-hmm. That's what testamentary capacity means. Then you have to have mental capacity, meaning you need to know what's going on. Yeah. You need to know that that's so if somebody tricks you or if you if you have an elderly person who may be like has dementia or Alzheimer's or anyone who may not be fully with it and you kind of force that person to go to a lawyer to sign a will, that will could be contested because that person didn't have the mental capacity to to sign their will. And I see that happen a lot like, you know, well it's like a, a big topic of like movies and like documentaries about people contesting a will because of mental capacity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's even tougher when you have someone who's on their deathbed, who is really, who's terminally ill. And, and this is one of the reasons why I think it's something that people should be thinking about when you're healthy, because, when you're on your deathbed, it just makes it a little, it makes it a lot more complicated because you're, you're as the person, you're in an emotional state. You're generally going to be surrounded by family members. Sometimes all of your family may not be there. And so if you, if you write your will in favor of the person who's there with you, that could just seem like that person forced you to write your will, you know, on top of that, you're on your deathbed. So did you even have the mental or testamentary capacity to write this will? So now you need to get the doctors around you to sign a sworn statement to say that this person was able to write a will. It's just, it's tough. And, um, I actually, 
Yeah, I actually don't take those kinds because I'm just like, I don't want to ever be a witness. I don't want to be in a contest <laughs> where someone is going to be like, did you do all these things? Because I don't know. Like, I don't. So I just tell people to, like, do it ahead of time. Do it when you can really sit and be like, it. you can be like, hmm, who would I want to have this? OK, but then what if that person can't take it? Or Because what if the person who you're giving your property to, what if they're mentally ill? What if they have end up having Good special point. needs? Yeah. What if they're not responsible? You know what I mean? So when you sit down with an estate planning attorney, they go through all of those scenarios. So maybe you have two children and you wanted to leave the gift to them outright. What you you had a five hundred life a five hundred thousand dollar life insurance policy and you want to split it 250 but then what if in between the time that you died you had a child who maybe got into an accident and now has special needs or um you have a niece who has special needs or a cousin or an aunt you know like mm. or single people all the time they're like oh i'll just leave it to my parents that's fine cuz i tell people they're like well what would happen if i were to die i would be like well your parents naturally like if you have no kids no husband or any or wife or whatever your parents would get it. And they're like, oh, I'm fine with that. And I'm like, okay, but first of all, they're going to have to go to court and go through all this stuff to get your property because they can't just show up and be like, I'm his mom. Give me his bank card. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have, it doesn't work that way if your mom even knows where you bank. But um, the other thing is think about how long your parents are going to live and who your parents would pass down their estate to. And how long are your parents really going to get use of that money before they pass it down to someone else who you may not even want to have it? So it's fine if you want to take care of your parents, but you can do that through a trust. You can you can leave your entire estate to a trustee and have that trustee give as much money as your parents would need. But then when your parents die, if there's any money left over, leave it to your grandson. Whereas your parents might leave it to your loser brother because he's never done anything in his life. So they want to take care of him. And then he uses all your money. You know what I mean? Instead of it going to like his kids. Mm -hmm. So people don't think of any of those things. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because I think, you know, when it comes to estate planning and wills, a lot of people like to even with life insurance, because I, you know, I had um, a lady, one of my friends come on to talk about life insurance and. People don't really want to deal with it, but it's an essential conversation. It's important to know because at the end of the day, you care about what happens to, mm -hmm. you know, your your stuff, your what you've worked so hard for, your children, what happens to them, your loved ones. So it's an essential conversation. So you, you have to think about it as much as you don't want to. You know, I have a son now, so I look at estate planning differently. But before I had a son, before I had a child, before I... I I'm not married, but I looked at it this way. I had gone to law school. I had bought a house. And I was like, if I died, I would want my family to benefit from what I've done in my life so far. So I bought a life insurance, two life insurance policies, and I took out the one that I had at work because I looked at it this way. I know this, maybe it's because I'm an estate planning attorney. I was like, when I die, my family's going to be sad. But then I also went on to be like, but damn, she left us like a million and a half dollars. Like, thank you, Art. <laughs> I know that sounds so crazy, but I'm like, it's not costing me anything. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, they're going to get the house and they're going to get, um, 
all my law student loans are going to go away. So they're basically going to like enjoy this and get like a a million and a half dollars that I'm going to put in a trust that everybody who wants to go to college can just be like, hey, trustee, can I get some money to go to college? Oh, hey, trustee, I want to go to New York and I want to be an actress. Can you pay for my apartment while I go to these auditions? Like, I want my family to prosper. And I'm going to be, I'm hoping to help them in my lifetime, but I absolutely can do it in my death. So Mm -hmm. why not? Like, let this black family just be like, how y'all got so much money? Like, oh, we had a cousin who died and she just stuck <laughs> money to everybody. Like, I know that sounds silly, but that's actually how I looked at it. But now that I have a kid, it's it's like a different, it's different yeah. You have to, you, you know, know, it's like, oh, okay. So I want to make sure that he's responsible and, you know, like, but I don't know why people don't think about it that way. Like, mm-hmm. if wouldn't, like, you know, we're entrepreneurs. Bola, like, what if you had an aunt who died and you all of a sudden just got like twenty, thirty thousand dollars? I'm not even gonna name like a really big amount, but like twenty thousand dollars. Like, how would that change your business right now? Twenty thousand dollars. That would be awesome. I mean, I mean, I mean, like as, twenty. Maybe if 20 I don't G's. know the aunt, like just an aunt that like materialized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> no, I, I love all my aunts right now. <laughs> No, like even if you, no, but let's work through this, Bola, because this is where people get hung up. Even if you knew that aunt, you're not going to kill her, right? <laughs> no, no, no. And I'm laughing about it, but you didn't kill the aunt. You, that aunt died because that aunt was going to die. It was her time. She died anyway. The question is, you've, we've all lost relatives. We yeah, didn't kill I mean, them. We didn't cause their death. How would our life had changed if that relative had left us ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars? If every single relative that you've time. lost has left you ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars, that will make a huge difference. Exactly. A huge exactly. Difference. Yeah. So I think I think people really need to stop looking at it as, oh, that's so crass. Like, ooh, like I can't think of my mom dying. God forbid. Like your mom is going to die one day. Either you're going to die before her or she's going to die before you. So you, both of you guys need to take care of each other when that happens, because one of you are going to die before the other. And I know that my mom died when I was five years old. Like yeah. I've, I've lost family. My, my father died in my arms. So it's not like I've never had anybody die. So I yeah. can just talk that, that, but it's, it's, it's a it's the reason this is so important is because black people are being left behind and the wealth gap is increasing yes, yeah. more and more. We're not thinking about estate planning. We're talking about building wealth and building entrepreneurship and grind till I own it and revenge best revenge is my paper and all this great stuff. But what are we passing down? Yeah. Like, is it dying with us? Are our kids going to want to hustle? Like, I always think about it. For me, success is being able to pay 100% of my child's college, either alive or dead. Yeah. Success is him being like, I want to be a teacher who makes $50,000 and I want to live in New York City. And being able to be like, oh, okay, you want to buy a house? Here you go. Here's a down payment. Um, or for him to be able to do that for his child because I left money to him, you know? So I think that we should stop thinking about this as taboo because white people have had a head start. So we've been prevented from doing it. So that's why they're, they're getting ahead, but they're still using it 
and we are no longer prevented from doing it, but we just just see it as a taboo. Yeah. Yeah, we have the opportunity. We should take it. And one thing that, you know, I always like to remind folks when it comes to thinking about generational wealth, which is wealth that transcends you, that even transcends your children into their children, into their children, is that when you look at the truly wealthy, right, and you wonder how, you know, the wealth has transcended, it is from estate planning. And once they, you know, every wealthy person that you look around, right, if they die today, their money is not going to any state. Their money is going to be divvied up the way they want it to be divvied up and given to their children the way they want it to be given, right? Warren Buffett has his own estate plan, even though he's not giving his children anything. So it's all about, like, look at these people that a lot of people aspire to be like. You want to be wealthy like so-and-so and such-and-such, and you look at people who are wealthy in previous generations, and, you know, you admire these people. Well, there are lessons to take from them from them that they weren't just wealthy for themselves. Mm-hmm. They create a generational wealth to pass down to their children, and it's something that we have to do for ourselves and do for our loved ones too. It's really, really important. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's so interesting because people think of estate planning as this thing that sometimes just creates enormous wealth, but sometimes it could just be making life easier, yeah. you know? And, yeah. Um, I, I tell this story all the time. I, I went to an ABA American Bar Association trust and estates um, uh, symposium and there were all these people who manage people who have like millions and like hundreds of millions of dollars. And so I was talking to this one guy who has plenty of those clients. And I was like, so like, you know, what do you do for someone who like has that much money? Like what kind of estate planning are you doing? You know? And he was like, honestly, those people I'm not really doing estate planning for or even financial like advising really because it's hard to lose that much money. He was like, but the most important person or important client that walks through my office is the person who has a hundred thousand dollars because it is with that money that if I manage it correctly, I can create that million dollars for generations to come. And people look at a $50,000 life insurance policy, a $100,000 life insurance policy, like, what are they going to do with that money? And it's like, I wish somebody would give me 10000 right now, <laughs> 5000 2000 Are you kidding me? Like, that's a lot of money. It doesn't have to be like for generations and generations, but it's like, and if we look at it that way, if we look at 2000 as being worth it, we'll look at 50000 as even more, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's, that's. That's really good advice and important for us to all think about. So our one more quick question before I let you go. Well, two more. The other the one question is, so if someone that's listening now is like, okay, she's convinced me I'm ready. I've got my life together. I, I want to go get my estate plan in place or at least start off with having a will in place. Mm-hmm. Um, where do they go? Like, you know, do they get a will planning kit, an estate planning kit? Do they go into, you know, an attorney's office? What is the best route? Or different options for them to get started. The best route would be to find an estate planner in their state. Um, Don't go to LegalZoom. Um, Don't try to do it online. Um, The problem with using those kind of wills like LegalZoom and stuff like that is that they are just document generators. So you just put in your information and they just give it to you. There are a lot of provisions in a will that have to be in there because they're state rules that you have no idea what they're saying. So mm-hmm. you don't even know if if what if LegalZoom has put the California one in the California document. You know what I mean? 
So don't use any of those online services. I would go to an estate planning attorney. If you need to find one, they can email me, me at artsteel.co, or you can go to, um, I would also recommend going to Facebook. Anybody know a great estate planning attorney? I would say go to every state has a bar website. So for New Jersey, go to the New Jersey State Bar. They usually will have a list of all the lawyers who practice in certain areas. If you're in a county, look at that county's bar because they will have a list of lawyers that practice in certain areas in that county. Mm -hmm. But I would say start with Facebook. That's how I get a lot of referrals. People will say, anybody know a real estate, I mean, a estate planning attorney in Virginia? And then people refer them to me. So I would definitely say do that. I would also say, just talk to the lawyer. Like, don't say, oh my God, you're, you talked about wills, trusts, all that sounds expensive. Talk to three or four. See yeah. who you like. See what their prices are. Don't just say you can't afford it. A lot of people who say they cannot afford to move forward, I will usually a lot of times they'll pay me for like a consultation, like a full on consultation, and I'll go through their assets with them and I'll come up with ways in which they can at least move things around so that if they were to die today, family members know what they're doing, um, where their assets are. They've put beneficiaries on their life insurance. A lot of people don't even do that. So at the very least do that. I tell them how to put it on there so that it doesn't get hung up in court and all that stuff. So I do offer um, a, like a $500 consultation to just walk people through their assets. So talk to the attorney and just see how much they're going to charge. Great advice. Thank you so much, Art. This has been really, really helpful. Um, but before you go, I got to ask you, what is your Clever yeah. Girl superpower? Wow. <laughs> My clever girl superpower. You got to think about that one. You can't say you're oh. a super, super amazing estate planning lawyer. No, not that's allowed. not my... <laughs> no, I... Gosh, that's a hard one. My clever girl superpower. Uh, yeah, I would say that I think I have the ability of explaining really complex topics to lay people. Okay. Like you just did. I think that's, <laughs> I think, and I think that's important. Yes, because we need to be in places. We need to have people who look like us, who talk like us, who understand what we're understanding, explain things to us. And as someone who's been in the corporate world a lot, I am like, okay, like nobody I know would ever be able to do this or get through this. Um, and so that's why I really like talking about estate planning and legalizing your business, because when you break it down, it just makes sense. And then we can start adding the complexity onto it if need be. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I would say that um, that's my superpower. And I, I think I can make it fun um, for my wills class. I tell all these stories and, and that's what <laughs> helps my students. I talk about Kim Kardashian and Prince and Michael <laughs> Jackson and. I don't think any other professor does that. <laughs> and you did a great job. You broke it down. And, you know, I'm sure the ladies listening learned a lot. And I hope um, it wasn't too confusing. <laughs> no, this was great. And, you know, if you need to, ladies, and you're listening to, to this, listen to it again and reach out to Art. She has great content on her website. She has a great podcast where she delves into this more as well. So don't feel like, oh, my God, I'm so confused. Come back and review it. Reach out to her. You know, get the help you need. If you need to go sit down with an attorney, you know, 
use the resources she mentioned and I'm going to link to her site um, mm-hmm. in the show notes so that you have access to the support that you need to do this. But it's really, really important. So thank and, you so and much, one more, Go ahead. And one more thing, if they go to, and you can link to this, but if they go to artsteel.co slash estate planning, I actually have a workbook that they can download that they can fill in all this information that we talked about. It It talks more about guardianship and how to choose it and how to choose a trust and how to put all their assets in one place. And then um, there's also a free webinar that they can like take at their own time. That's, that's free that they can, that has slides and everything. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that resource. I'm going to put it in the show notes. Okay. So, so Art, you're, this has been awesome. I appreciate your time and I would, I'd uh, love for you to tell folks how they can keep up with you. Yeah, so I am. Um, so the best way is Instagram. I would say Twitter. I do have a Twitter handle, but it's really Instagram. <laughs> and that is artsteel underscore ESQ. Um, that's the same name on Twitter. And then I also have a Facebook group, which they can get to. Um, I don't know how to get through my Facebook group. Through your website? Well, I guess once <laughs> through my website. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you the link. But I don't, you know, most people have something cute like artsteel.co join. I don't know. They can try that. But um, <laughs> Instagram is a... <laughs> That's my non-superpower is tech. Um, Instagram is the best way to reach me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Art. I really appreciate this. No problem, Bola. It was was great talking with you and uh, talking to the Clever Girl fam. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode with Art. She shared a ton of really useful and very important information that will help you as you work on creating your own estate plans. If you enjoyed listening to the episode, please, please head, head over to iTunes and leave a review of the podcast so that other people can find it as well. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and you can also subscribe subscribe and listen to episodes on the Clever Girl Finance YouTube channel. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll be back again with a brand new episode soon. Talk to you guys soon.